going on, everybody? Welcome to the first Me and My Cousins episode of October 2020. We have a great show today. We got a segment where me, Michael, and Kenny answer your questions, and then we got an interview with one of the strongest men in the world. But to kick things off, I got my special little buddy here. June, say what's up. What's up, guys? What are we excited for in October? What are we looking forward to? Um, my friend's birthday party. What else? Halloween. What else? Gymnastics. What else? Lacrosse. What else? Soccer. What else? Um, I don't know. Where do I go every Monday night? Brighton Bar. Every Monday night, open mic at the Brighton Bar. And yeah. on October 21st, the next Super Open Mic 64 at the Go Play Retro Arcade in Belmore. Make sure you check those out. And the one thing me and June are super excited to tell you about is... Where the whole family only rocks Reeboks for all of October. So we're bringing out the Shacks. We're bringing out the Sean Kemp's. We're bringing out the DMX Ride 10s. We're bringing out every Club C we have. We're bringing out every Reebok hoodie, every Reebok t-shirt, every hot Reebok you remember from the 90s. The D-Shoes. The D-Brown Pumps. The Allen Iversons. The ones designed by Tinker Hatfield. The ones that were better than Jordan. We got the Iversons. The Jordan when when he crashed over Jordan. What else, June? What else? What else? Uh, shirts. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Me and My Cousins podcast. This episode is brought to you by Bean Mug and Coffee Co. It's a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique blends inspired by the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a single origin coffee from around the world. For the month of September, they just introduced coffee from Papua New Guinea. Bean Mug and Coffee Co. is giving our listeners 10% off all coffee. Visit Bean Mug and Coffee Co. and enter Cousins10, that's C-O-U-S-I-N-S-1-0, at checkout for 10% off your order. And in October, you knew it was coming. Get psyched for it now. Pumpkin Spice Coffee from Bean Mug and Coffee delivered right to your front door. Mike and Kenny, how are you guys doing? Awesome, man. What's up, fellas? Hanging in there. Getting ready for the weekend. What do you got going on this weekend, man? Anything good? Uh, last weekend, I had a big weekend. I was in Montauk for our annual guys trip, so that was a blast. Uh, this weekend, I'm actually working both days. Uh, I'm working Friday, Saturday at the bar, so uh, I'm going to try to – I got a bar trying to make a little money and also catch up on some sleep that I missed out on last weekend. <laughs> good. That's always a good thing when you're tired from a, from a crazy weekend. Kenny, what do you got going on this week, man? Not much, man. Just chilling. Uh, so, Mike, that's why you missed the last podcast, huh? Partying in uh, Montauk, huh? Yeah, well, on Thursday, I wasn't partying. I was just in the car on the way up. It's like a four and a half hour drive, you know? And it was just like, I, uh, and I was driving up with my buddies, so I didn't want to do it from the car. But you guys covered for me. I definitely feel bad that I miss it, but uh, it was definitely nah, you're a good, good episode, man. It was and, a uh, solid episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I trust you guys. Yeah, we had a good guest too, man. Kenny did a great job. We had all the guys from Bean Mug and Coffee, the show sponsor, came out and explained the kind of explain the coffee game to us in a way that I didn't really understand. Like, what is single origin? What what's a dark roast versus a light roast? And kind what's of their nitro philosophy blue. and how they what's nitro brew? Yeah, um, and they just kind of did a real good job of explaining the game to us, and obviously wish them continued success as is going on. Um, we had a real we got a big show tonight, man. 
We have one of the strongest men in the world coming on as a guest. His name is Mike Kapinski. He's from Tom's River, New Jersey. We grew up together. He's one of my best friends. And I have an interview with him on the back end of the podcast about what it's like to bench press over 600 pounds in international competitions at a body weight of just under 180 pounds, which I think is, if you've ever lifted weights before, that is a phenomenal number to put up in a gym, let alone in, in a, on a national stage in front of a uh, judges and a, and a big crowd. But before we get to that, we got to get to our, our month. No, Ange, Ange, I got to cut in real quick, man. I got a great Kapinski story. Oh, let's Um, hear it. Let's hear it. So, so, so I'm at, um, I'm, I'm started lifting. I'm in high school. I'm, I'm going to the gym on Fisher Boulevard in Tom's River. It used to be Gold's Gym, then it changed to something else, and my mind's going blank. Maybe Jersey Shore Fitness. I, I can't remember. It was on Fisher Boulevard, like right near where the Wawa is. You know what I'm talking about? I, I know. I've been there a hundred times. I know exactly okay. where it is. All right. So I show up and like, obviously, like I recognize him from either like him being around at like a family party once or like obviously my dad knowing him like because of DeVito or lifting, whatever the case may be. And like I see him and I'm like, oh, that's Angelo, my cousin Angelo's buddy, like the real strong lifting dude. And like, I'm just watching him the first time and he's doing this, you know, he was on the bench for an hour. You know what I mean? Like he's like, I got my whole workout done and he was still doing flat bench, you know, but obviously he's training for, you know, serious shit. I get it. So the next time around, he's literally has like, you know, he has the bands on the bench because he's working on like, like different, like where, where obviously you're pushing the weight from and shit like that. And then he, and then he put on one of those shirts for the first time. Like I, and I never saw one. I was like 15 years old. Like one of those bench pressing shirts where your arms are like in the, in the locked position. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. So he's got one of those things on and he's like getting up to it and he's like, and he's like, he's doing like big time weight. And I'm just and like the gym's looking at him because the kid's got 500 pounds on it with this, with this shirt on and with like bands attached to it. You know what I mean? And we're all looking like, like what the and and this guy just pause benches it for like two and I'm like what like I, like I was new to fitness but like I understood like strength and I'm like that's like not normal obviously so then like the next time I'm like all right I'm gonna go up to this dude and be like hey I'm your buddy Angelo's cousin so I go up to him like yo what's up man I was like I don't know if you recognize I was like I don't know if you recognize me but um I'm your buddy Angelo's cousin and he like looks at me and he was like yeah and I was like yeah I was like, I've seen you around at parties and stuff. And he's like, uh-huh. And I was like, all right, like you do a lot of weight. Nice seeing you again. And walked away. <laughs> like, there was no conversation there. Hans. Like I couldn't get anything out of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I guess he was focused on putting more 45s on the bar at that point. Uh, that is, that. It's, it's kind of odd because you've been around him a decent amount of times where he should have at least been like, you need a spot or, you know, what, can I help no, you no, with no, something? And that, and that was thing. my first story. To be fair, maybe I, like I said, this is like 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Right. Um, And then, and then to be fair, like, I think the next time around I was with my dad and then he kind of, and then my dad went up to him and then he was obviously more friendly. Like maybe he just had no clue who I was bad day, but I literally was like, all right. And then just walked away because I, I couldn't, there's nothing else to say. <laughs> that is a, uh, a very awkward interaction at the Gold's gym on Fisher Boulevard. Yeah. With a guy benching 600 pounds and everybody just staring at him. And he's just like, isn't talking to anybody and just locked in. And like, people are like, what is this? Like, who is this guy? And then like, we're all just like, you know, obviously in awe of the weight. And then like, it's like kind of like approaching that hot girl at a party. 
So like I go up to her and, uh, you know, and you, you try to spit some game, but I, I would have rather have gotten iced by the hot girl, not Mike Kapinski. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Also, a weird, a weird thing about like, like the strength sports in general, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, bodybuilding. It's all like him, him working out in that gym is like LeBron James playing pickup at Skyview Park. Right. Yeah. And that just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Like uh, like Aaron Judge doesn't show up at the Tom's River's Little League field to start taking BP, but he no, does show up at gyms in Tom's River and just start lifting weights. And it's uh, it's incredible <laughs> to see, man. He's really he. I hate to use the term, he's almost like like a freak of nature to be that yeah. strong. He, he works like a lunatic. And he deserves every bit of success he's ever had. But um, it's it's kind of shocking to see a guy benching more than anybody else in the gym can deadlift. So it's yeah. really cool. He gave us some time this Ridiculous. week. He talked about his training. He talked about his upbringing in Tom's River, uh, where he fits in the category of like great Tom's River athletes, which there's actually a lot of them right now. Um, so it's really it's a cool interview, man. I'm glad he gave us some time. It's always nice to to know you guys have some interactions with him as well. That being said, are we ready to get to the questions from the listeners? Ready to go. Okay. We're going to start off with a question submitted at the last minute by my wife, Ambar, and she wants to know if you could enjoy a cup of bean mug and coffee with any three people, who would it be? Who would be like your ideal coffee date? I'll give mine first if you guys aren't ready. Uh, I'm a Tom's River guy, so I got to go with my holy triumphant of Tom's River athletes, which are, of course, Mike Kapinski, secondly, Todd Frazier, and third, Frankie Edgar. I just feel yes. like we have a lot to talk about. We'd be enjoying the boardwalk blend. We'd be in like, oh, you put sugar in yours. I put cream in mine. And we just kind of like just have a really good time talking about growing up in Tom's River. And I would try to relate to them. Like, you know, I'm kind of like them, even though really we have nothing in common. And they, all three of them live life at a completely different level than I do. But I think it would be a fun conversation. Who do you guys have? Mike, you go first. Yeah, Ange, I feel like that Tom's River trio is awesome, but I was going to say you ha- there, none of you have anything in common, but you'd still be able to have the conversation because of Tom's River, but there's nothing in common out of the four of you. Right. The, the only thing we have in common is we've all, we've all walked by throngs of teenagers smoking outside the Ocean County Mall to get to the Hot Topic inside. We've all, we've all lived that truth. Besides that, not yes. a lot in common. Who are, you, who are you people? Who would you like to meet up with or hang out with for a cup of coffee? All right, uh, I'll go next. Uh, I'm going Sebastian Maniscalco. I mean, the guy's just—he's uh, so funny. Uh, he's got the Italian stuff, the Italian jokes going with him, and I and I really like admire not only the the voice and the changeover of his voice and the control of it and his jokes, but like I think his body language is what really makes him. I think I think that's why he's as good as he is because he goes up there and his mannerisms are just so spot on that I'd like to see like how he was able to do that, like just born with it. Does he practice? But that would be one of my guests. Um, second one I'm going with, who uh, I got to go with, uh, I think I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the goat. Uh-huh. I just, I think the work ethic, I think the, I think the six Super Bowls, I think married to, you know, a, a supermodel and just everything he's been through. I, I think I would have to put him in that category. And Last person I'd go, I mean, there's so many people you can go with, you know, but uh, last person I'd go with is probably from a historical perspective. Um, and I'd probably talk to Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt. I mean, the guy dealt with polio, dealt with the depression, dealt with World War II, and like somehow managed to win, to be able to run and win four terms. Obviously that rule wasn't in place back then, but uh, I'd like to know like off the record, like how it really went down. Like, do they think like normal people think, or are they just like that much smarter? 
uh, be able, able to do all those things? Or did he just kind of get a little lucky too? <laughs> yeah, that those are those are three incredibly interesting people. That would probably be a great conversation for a cup of bean mug and coffee. Kenny, what do you got? All right, so I'm going to choose the boys down at Bean Mug and Coffee Co. You know, um, they seem like pretty cool dudes. Teach us some stuff about coffee. You know, they got some advice about business. And, uh, yeah, seem like pretty cool heads. Okay, good. I like that. So as far as bucket list conversations, we as, a, as the nine people we presented, as a podcast, we've already spoken to f- four of them. All three Bean Mugging guys and Mike Kapinski. So we're doing good on that front. Um, next question. <laughs> yeah. We got one more, que- one more question from Ambar, and then we're going to move on to the other listeners. But she wants to know what advice you would have for your younger cousin. So I, I mean, I'll take it if I'm talking to somebody's Kenny's age. Maybe Mike and Michael takes it from somebody Kenny's age. And Kenny, you take it from if you're talking to, like, one of your cousins that's in high school or Alabama. Or maybe you're talking to June. What advice would you give to June, my daughter? Um, I'll start. Cool. And here's what I got for, for somebody – Kenny's age, 23 or 24 years old, whatever you're thinking about doing, do it. Just start doing it now for two reasons. Number one, when you're young, you don't have a lot of responsibilities, right? You don't have mortgages and car payments and health insurance premiums and stuff like that. So if you lose, if you fail miserably, you got a lot of time to, to recoup whatever expenses and time you spent on that project, that thing, that dream, whatever it is. The other thing is, Whatever you want to do, you're probably not going to be great when you start at, start off, right? So you probably need some time to get good at it. So you might as well start getting good at whatever it is. The younger, the better, in my opinion. I've never pursued anything in my life and been like, well, thank God I didn't get started on that earlier. Um, a lot of times I've been like, I, I started too late on that and I should have started earlier. So that's my two piece. My one piece of advice is if you got an idea, want to try something, business, podcast, art of some kind, just do it and, and see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, you got a lot of time to to make up for lost time and lost dollars. Uh, Michael, what do you got? Yeah, it's one of the things I was going to go with. Like I had three of them and that's definitely one of them. Chase your dream when you're young. I 100% agree with you. The other one is like, I would say while you're chasing your dream, also hustle, like make money, even if it's not your ideal goal of how you want to make money, make money, start investing at a young age, because the younger you invest, just put that stuff in the market, let it ride, don't look at it. And then when you're, you know, 50, 60 years of that, even if it's 100 a month, 50 a month, whatever you can put in, put it every little bit in. I mean, I started at like 25, which is pretty young. Um, I would wish I even started earlier, wish I started more aggressive because that stuff really does build and uh, hustle, chase that dream, make your money. And the last thing I would say is you got to have fun. Like it doesn't mean like run your life like a total train wreck and not be able to go to work in the morning, but have fun, like go out, whatever makes you fun, whatever's fun for you, like going out with your friends and grabbing some drinks um, is fun for you you know, pursuing your dream, whatever it is, establish what's fun for you. Uh, and I guess the last thing I'd say is take care of yourself. Like you got one body, you got one mind and you got to like physically and mentally take care of yourself in order to succeed in life. So those are the three I'd go with. Yeah. I don't, I can't imagine anyone would listen to that and be like, this guy's a lunatic. No one should do that. They seem like, they seem like good pieces of advice. Have fun, take care of your body and take care of your, your finances and chase your dreams. If you do those four things, I mean, you're, it'd be hard to have a bad life if you, if you do all four of those things. Kenny, what do you got for the young kids out there? What would you tell somebody in high school or, you know, middle school or five-year-old like my daughter June right now for advice for life? This question's pretty deep, man. Uh, but yeah, first there's off, a lot. I would say, uh, similar to Mike's and yours, uh, 
invest in tech stocks as early as possible, like huge companies that aren't going anywhere, like Apple, Microsoft, Sony, whatever. Like that's just something you can't lose on. At least I don't see it happen in this lifetime. Uh, Also try to invest in real estate as early as possible in life because that's another thing that really never loses value. Uh, like even like it even proved it in the pandemic, you know, like um, market prices are up like 15% right now. Like, you know, it's pretty crazy. And second part of advice I would say is whatever you do in life, just keep it balanced. You know, too much of anything is not good. Like you could have too much coffee. Well, not bean mugging, but Yes, <laughs> too much of coffee, you know, is bad. Yo, Kenny's much, all over them tonight. That interview last week must have been great. Water. Like, must have yeah, been like, must have yeah, been like yeah, that yeah. Take, take it easy, where Mike. They, where they take became it easy, best, Mike. Like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike's just mad that he didn't get the the new blend. You know, I, I got like five bags lined up right now, bro. <laughs> that's that's why you're talking them up so good. Now it makes sense. Dude, I just had like three shots of their new espresso, so I'm pretty, pretty zooted. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yo, yeah, like, Ken, whatever Kenny doesn't, do. yo, Ange, Kenny doesn't need our advice, man. Like that, we all, I think me and you gave good advice, but Kenny's was like equally as good, so he doesn't really need to listen to us. No, it, that that's that's a, that's a good point, man. If I feel yeah. like if I had that perspective in my early twenties, I'd, I'd probably be somewhere better by now. Yeah, everybody says, yeah, and, and Kenny brought up, uh, well, question ago was drinking bean mug and coffee with somebody. Kenny brought up coffee right now. Where do we stand on pumpkin spice? Good thing, bad thing, overhyped. What do we think, Kenny? What do you think about pumpkin spice? Everything coffee, yeah. soap, <laughs> pound cake, ice you want, cream. You want me what to do be we think? Honest? Yeah, of course. All right, so like scented slash flavored things. All right, it's all right, it's cool or whatever. But me personally, I don't enjoy pumpkin spice, cinnamon, or anything like that. I know people who go crazy over it during when the seasons come around, like it's freaking crack. But I'm me personally, (laughs) (laughs) not seriously. Like I gotta get that pumpkin spice, man. I'm like, and it it all out. I also, I also feel like those people. They used to have to wait till like mid October to get it, and now they're dropping pumpkin spice stuff on Labor Day. And it's like if they just keep extending the season, do people want it less if you could get it all the time? Because there's always like there's a scarcity model of oh I can't wait to get my first pumpkin spice latte. But then if you could do it all year round, which we're inching towards, does it lose some of the luster? Maybe. Uh, Mike, what does. do you think about pumpkin spice? Yeah, dude, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't get into that kind of stuff. Like I I, I just don't like it. Like it, I'm, I don't care. Like who makes it? Uh, I'm sure Bean Muggin does a great job, like other people do. I just, it's just not my thing. I've had it like twice in my life, and I just, I just can't do it. I feel like uh, pumpkin spice is kind of like to, to food what the Hulk is to the Avengers. Like a little bit of the Hulk of the Avengers movies, super dope. A whole Hulk movie, not that great, right? So I think like a little bit of pumpkin spice as it gets closer to Halloween. Cool. Like we can all enjoy that once or twice and then Halloween comes and you move on. But like the two to three month, you know, everything in Trader Joe's being pumpkin spice and your whole supermarket changing color schemes because it's pumpkin season. I think we may have gone just a little, little overboard with that. So that's going to wrap it up for the questions from the listeners. And we got to get to the Mike Kapinski interview. What do you guys have uh, that you want to shout out before the end of the night? Mike, what do you got for us? Uh, I'm, I'm, 
I just want to say I missed last week's. You guys had to pick me up, obviously. Um, obviously, looking forward to meeting those guys whenever we got a chance, uh, which we'll definitely do at a later date. Uh, keep sending your questions in, guys. We appreciate it. We had a lot to sift through. Uh, we couldn't spend the entire episode on it, but we'll definitely do one of these again. Uh, keep asking them. Uh, we're going to get some new people on the show. Uh, again, any interest, please reach out to us. Uh, Mike Casal 10. Also, we are creating a, um, an Instagram for me and my cousins, which will be, be launching soon. So definitely pay attention for that. And uh, we'll follow you. You follow us and we'll go from there. Thanks for listening. Kenny. Listen, people, it doesn't cost anything to support your friends and families, small businesses. It's 100% free to like, share, and subscribe. Have a good night. Oh, More good yeah. advice. Whatever the, the hell you're listening podcast. to. More yeah. good advice. And that's going to wrap it up for this segment of the show. I am Angelo Gingerelli on all social media. I'm Mr. Fifth Round. MR, the number five. T-H-R-U-N-D. And without further ado, check out me talking to one of the strongest men in the world that happens to be one of my best friends, Mike Kapinski. And now it's time for another Me and My Cousins interview segment brought to you by Bean Mug and Coffee Co. As always, I'm Angelo Gingerelli. I have a very special guest with me today, world-class powerlifter, 20-plus years competing at a very high level, current IPF world bench press champion, has bench pressed over 600 pounds. Uh, He's pretty much the strongest guy in any gym he goes in, and he goes into pretty strong gyms. Uh, We worked out together for years when we were younger, and I, at one point, I was actually stronger than him. He might deny that, but when we first met, we were. And then our life took some different turns, and now he is a world-class power lifter and a bench press world champion. And uh, I've, I've done okay athletically, but I'm definitely not a world champion in anything. So without further ado, I want to give it up to one of my best friends in the whole world, a guy I've known since, I believe, 1995. I have been in all of his power lifting since the mid-'90s, Mike Kapinski. Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, how you doing? That was a nice intro you just gave me. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, just go through your bio a little bit. Like, what I, I knew you very young, but tell everybody else how you go from, you know, little Mike running around Times River, New Jersey, thinking you might want to lift weights to a current world champion bench presser. Well, it takes lots of years to get to that point, but it all started uh, just the uh, desire to want to, uh, to uh, work out. I was uh, in high school, uh, freshman year, and I just, uh, you know, I was playing football and something just said, I felt the, uh, the love in the weight room. I just didn't really, I wanted to be in there more than the football uh, field. So kind of just, uh, fell into that. And, um, you know, it all started with the, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Ron DeVito, our coach back in high school, uh, who got me started in it. And, um, you know, I did my first meet as a freshman doing pretty well. I think a fourth, but, uh, just to be there, just gave the, um, just the drive that, you know, I just want to do more and more weight and just, uh, you know, improve on uh, myself. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how far I can go at the time, but, you know, 25 years later, here I am a world champ. And, uh, you know, there's a long journey that it took to get there, but, you know, it's still going, but I I definitely, um, you know, enjoy it now as much as I did back then. Yeah, man, I, I, that's where I met you in the Raider Power Plant, which was our high school weight room at Tom's River High School East. And you hit the nail on the head. Because of Coach DeVito, it was a very special place. No one would deny that, right? Uh, most, most of the guys we lifted with, their best lifts and the strongest they ever were were when they were in that Raider Power Plant competing on our powerlifting team, myself included, right? 
you kind of took it to another level. You were a strong high school power lifter that went on to become a great first, I guess, first New Jersey State men's division champion, then a national champion, and now a world champion. Where the most of the guys that we worked out with and lifted with competitively back then, I still work out. I kind of got more into the endurance marathon side of things. Some of the other guys played college football, college baseball, and everybody's still in pretty good shape now. But you are at a different level 20 years later than anybody else. What do you attribute your ability to? You graduate high school. Most people are done with sports at that point. And you said, I want more. I don't want to be a high school state champion. I want to be a men's division state champion. I want to be a national champion. How do you make that transition from high school weightlifting in a Raider power plant to what you've done the last, I'm going to say, 20 years at an extremely high level? Yeah, well, I think uh, right after high school, you know, I still had that desire to, to you know, I, I, I just wanted to keep competing. My my favorite lift of the three, the squat bench and deadlift, uh, was the bench. So I uh, I continued to compete in all three events and uh, did pretty well. But like I said, the bench was my favorite. So uh, maybe like 2010, which was like 12 years after graduating high school, I decided just to focus on the bench. Um, but before I even talk about that, um, I was doing a bench contest, you know, individually a lot uh, from from after high school until obviously till now. And, um, you know, I found out like, uh, through, uh, local meets coming up, like sanction meets, uh, just how far, you know, how big the sport is. And, uh, I was doing like AAU events, uh, which was amateur athletic union, USPF, United States power confederation. And then I came across in 2001, uh, there's a federation called USA powerlifting, USAPL, and they had a meet in New Jersey and uh, North Jersey. And, uh, Right there, you know, just the way the meet was run and the, the competition and everything, it just, uh, you know, it, it, I found out about how far you can go with that. And uh, I think 2002 or 2003, I did my first bench nationals was in Cleveland, Ohio. And that's where I really met some of the best bench pressers. And they're like, oh, you can go to Worlds and compete at the Worlds if you do real well. And I was only a junior at the time, which is uh, I was in college level, 20 to 23 year old. And uh, I remember my to this day I was I hit a 365 bench at 165, and just to be there and talk to all those guys, you know, I remember after the meet, just like uh, you know, I, I want 400. So, and you know, within like three four months, I just I just totally redid my my training, you know, everything I learned from high school, Coach DeVito, you know, I used a lot of that, but I came up with some new programs just off these guys and. You know, you learn from the best sometimes, and you you take that and you improve on your own um, programming. And, and um, yeah, I hit 400 um, like four months later, and then I just wanted I did every bench national, believe it or not, since 2003. I think I missed just one last year, um, but I went on a streak of like almost uh, I think um, probably about 16, 17 years of bench nationals every year. And um, um, like I said, 2000. Three, I think my first bench nationals. I didn't make it to the worlds until uh, 2012. So it took me uh, nine years to get to that level. I just kept working and working. And, um, you know, long story short, you know, throughout those years, I went from 165. I wasn't a full, uh, I didn't feel like that was my perfect weight class. I went up to 181. It actually came out to be 183. That They, they changed the weight classes over the years. And I stuck there ever since. And to this day, I'm still competing at that level at 183. And uh, I think 2008 hit a 500 bench at 183. And I just hit 600 in 2018. I was a little heavier than 183, but I did it in, in the Arnold Sports Festival. 
And like I said, I went to Worlds 2012, 2014, 2015, and I just won the Worlds uh, in 2019 in Japan. So I once I, once I made the Worlds too, um, you know, the first time I didn't, I, did, I, I think I got like fifth. Actually, I bombed. I missed the lift. You know, even though I've been in the sport so many years, I just to bomb, just to be there is great. But you know, you want to make a lift. And I learned from that. Make it on the board because you're representing the USA, not yourself as much. So you're there for a team. And then I think I got uh, the second time I got like uh, fifth. Third time I got fourth. And then you know, I knew that medal was in my grabs. And finally, in 2019, Japan. So I had my best meet ever. Everything just clicked. I, I won the title and actually at the, on top of it broke the American record for my age group at 595 at 183. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. That's, that's awesome that if it came together on that one day for you in Japan and 20 plus years of work, you have to have that one day where everything worked out. And I remember you, you texted me about that and I read about it online and everything. I thought it was amazing. I thought you really deserved it. Uh, because of just how many years and decades you put in to have that one day when everything aligns and comes out perfect. And it's, it's an awesome day. It's, I, I'm kind of mad at the way the world shut down this year that you haven't a chance to defend your title or set that record yeah. even higher. And I want to talk about COVID a little bit later and the way that's affected the sport. Because I was really looking forward to what you were going to do next. I always am, but especially after that world championship, I was like, well, he's gotten over six. What's the next step for him? And unfortunately for you... you for you and everyone, we didn't get to see that. For you or any other lifters out there, because the meets are not not happening the way they were a year ago. But before we get into that, I have a question for you. I think I a lot a, of people look thing. at power one lifters and, and and they think they're kind of like like dumb meathead type guys. And I don't I don't think I don't agree with that at all. But I think the train at your level is an art and a science. Give us some of your training principles that you think everybody can use if they want to have a big bench. Like, is it heavy every day? Is it reps one day, heavy another day? How many days a week are we benching? What's a couple, you know, give us a, a week of your training maybe as, as quick as you can. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted before. I just want to throw in that the, when I won the Worlds, it was May 22nd, 2019, which actually was my me and my wife's anniversary. So she's at home watching on the computer at three in the morning and I'm, uh, you know, going to win a world title. So it's pretty special to, to win, but also on our anniversary. So yeah, nice that, that is special, man. I'm, I'm glad you cut me off to shout that out. Cause that, that's a, that's a great day. You I know, you're one of the best days of your life, I would imagine, but back to, uh, back to training, man, what is training at this level and moving these weights look like? How many days a week? How, what are sets and reps like? How do you, how do you put your workouts together? Well, over the years, like I said, things have changed. Uh, I've, you know, I've adapted, uh, new things, but for the most part, I've, pretty much followed a, uh, a raw routine where I'm like, uh, doing a lot of volume. Um, I mean, more off seasons, a lot of volume work with, uh, uh you know, lower reps, have lots of sets. Uh, they got the routine for, it's like a, you know, a lot of Russians, they use these routines where they do volume and there's a lot of countries and people out there, uh, that, um, use, uh, these routines, but, um, you know, a lot of stuff you know, originated in the uh, European countries and, I use that, but, um, yeah, I, I bench pretty much, uh, you know, five days a week at the, when I'm in season. Um, I mean, there's variations when, as the meets get closer, I, uh, kind of cut back the days and I'm going to start using, uh, my bench shirt, you know, uh, you know, we haven't explained that yet, but I, I wear equipment when I uh, compete. So yeah, I, I start to cut off a little bit as my, my bench shirt usually I do on a weekend. So I might cut out my last couple, like two or three days to be fresh. Because it's a big shock to your body because your central nervous system it just takes so much from all that weight that you're handling. You're going from like like me, my raw best bench is a 450, but 
when I'm putting my shirt on, I'm um, doing anywhere like I'm doing sets uh, with boards on my chest. Uh, it's like anywhere from 500 pounds to as high as 650. Uh, like I said, the boards, uh, shorter range of motion. You're just working the top portions, the middle portion of the bench. So, yeah, my training, you know, a lot of that is like the volume. I do. I still squat, too. I still deadlift occasionally because you need that. You need to work your whole body out. A lot of assistance stuff. Uh, and right now I'm training in my basement because I have two kids and, and my wife. It's kind of hard to uh, get to the gym every day. So time has changed my life. So I, I bought a, a bunch of equipment to use in my basement. So, I, you know, it's good for a lot of things. My wife can work out with me. And then the kids, when they get a little older, they have equipment to go to downstairs. I don't, you know, it's fun to socialize with my wife and the kids around there and have their little playpen right now. You know, I can watch nice, some TV, you watch some Powerton videos to motivate myself. I love it. But uh, um, I have a qu- another yeah. question. So let's say you're not in your basement. You're in a, in a gym and you're doing your thing, right? You got the bench shirt out. You got the clouds of chalk going. You got the stacking 45s on top of 45s and a young kid, like a high school kid comes up and he's like, hey, man, I want to I want to do what you do. I want to be a power lifter. I want to bench press competitively. What advice do you give to somebody that's say like 16, 17 years old, just wants to start? How do you get that ball rolling and what's it a couple pieces of advice you give to a young person that wants to jump in and, and become you when they grow up. Well, everybody's their own person, but, uh, yeah, somebody new to the sport, you know, a lot of times, you know, if they just want to work out, just get stronger, you know, I give them tips, uh, you know, a technique is, is the first thing you learn on anything, you know, do it right to prevent injury, you know? Um, and then if you're interested in competing, you know, I always say, go watch a meet, come watch me compete or one of the guys at the gym, come watch compete see what it's all about, you know, just when you're there watching it, the little, the fire that, that comes inside you from watching it, like, I want to be up on stage, and I want to have that moment, you know, where I get to lift as much as I can, and it's your moment up there, so, yeah, go watch the meet, and then, then we start breaking down, like, you know, I said, technical stuff, and then just, just you know, over time, build up, be a little stronger, you know, be patient, that's the key, too, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, and, um, and, uh, yeah, pretty much just, you know, be eat clean and, you know, it's up to you where, where you want to go with it. But, you know, pretty right, much you know what that, I think is are... one one big advantage kids and novice, not just powerlifters, but probably any sport have now that we didn't have in the 90s when we met each other. Like, I, I feel like my first powerlifting meet, I was so like in awe of the whole thing, the judges, the lighting, the stage. It was just I had never lifted in an environment like that before. Right. Whereas now with the internet and YouTube and Instagram and Instagram lives, like I feel like before you go to a powerlifting meet, you could have such a good idea of what the environment is like. Whereas when me and you jumped in, we had to jump in, you know, to use a powerlifting term raw. We had no idea what we were getting into. And uh, we, we eventually kind of, you way more than me, got really good in that environment. But I do think now you can, you know, watch them. It, there's no substitute for actually competing and being on the platform. But I think now kids have an have a advantage that they can watch and, and read blogs and Instagram posts and stuff from people that are doing it and see what to expect when they get there. That in the 90s, we just didn't have. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember back at uh, Hamilton High School, St. Joe's, we, we competed um, in the 90s, which... Uh, you know, we didn't even know what um, what to expect. Uh, you know, especially if you were the first time going to meet. You know, you, you know, you, there was no internet back then, and you know, you show up the night before, you weigh in, you know, and then you see the setup, and like, oh my God, this is this is how it's going to be, and and you know, you're freaking out. And uh, whereas now, you know, when I look online at the meets, you know, they have us, they show you like the venue, what it's going to be like, and 
you have an idea of like location and you can make some of these meets too. If you go out of state or so, you can make a vacation out of it, which I like. So that's why nationals are good. You know, you, wherever it's located changes every year or even well, worlds, I, you know. Yeah, those are great. I think the one that may, might do that the best, you can tell if I'm wrong, is the Arnold Classic in Ohio, where there's yes. all the strength sports kind of come together. There's hundreds of sponsors. There's a great expo floor. It's 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 kind of like the entire industry. It's like the, the Super Bowl of the strength sports to me. Um, and it's, it's I, I've never been to it. I mean, you've been to it a bunch of times. But everything I've seen online looks absolutely awesome about it. And I think that's probably an idea of like let's take a powerlifting meet, which might only take a couple hours, and make a three or four day event out of it and have bodybuilding and the fight sports and Olympic lifting and CrossFit and all that under one roof. I think it's awesome. So that brings me to my next question to you, man. I feel like in the last, let's say 10 years, CrossFit has gotten super popular. Olympic lifting has gotten more popular, maybe because of CrossFit, depending how you, how you view that. Um, strongman stuff is popular. I feel like powerlifting is still not as popular as it should be. And this has confused me for decades as somebody who was involved in it for a long time. It seems like it should be the most popular of the strength sports because most people have bench pressed, deadlifted, and squat at some point in their life, right? So if you watch someone do a snatch at an Olympic lifting meet, most people have never even tried a snatch in a gym, right? But if you watch right. a guy like yourself bench 600 pounds, and you know how hard it is to bench 135 if you're a regular guy, that should be more impressive. And I always feel like powerlifting should be more popular because more people have experience in those lifts. So with that being said, do you agree with that? And why do you think powerlifting hasn't become as popular as like your CrossFit, your bodybuilding, your other strength sports? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I respect Olympic lifting and, you know, it's great that it's in the Olympics. I wish powerlifting was, uh, I mean, they are progressing you know, They have like the world championships, uh, like they have their own separate category now that they're paying money. I mean, I would, I, I love the sport. I wouldn't even, uh, even if there was, if there was money, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm there because I love doing it. But, yeah, I mean, it is a little bit um, sad that it hasn't been in the Olympics. But, um, I mean, I I don't have a lot to say other than maybe I think the um, if there was in the Olympics, it would have to be the raw events because there's so much, so much equipment out there and there would be a lot of debate about that, what what's what's allowed and what's not. So, you know, strict judge testing, which is, uh, you know, we've taken a huge step in USAPL where they're over the years, the drug testing has got as strict as ever. They come test you in meets, out of meets. You never know. But if you're a world caliber lifter, you, you're you have to know they have to know your whereabouts uh, at least an hour a day when you're getting ready for a meet, um, a national or higher meet for um, for like I think it's like 12 weeks. So they're taking steps. But, yeah, I don't see you know, anytime soon. Um, but you know, all these sports out there, CrossFit, it's amazing what, you know, you know, you know how they get a lot of publicity now. You can see them on TV you can watch even ESPN, you know, I've seen powerlifting on there and I've seen CrossFit, all that strong man, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch though. Um, so that's my take on that. Yeah, man. I think, uh, I, one thing I would say about, I think where powerlifting has been a little bit hamstrung and you kind of hit on it the last, for decades at this point is Olympic lifting, at least in, in at, on the world stage, there's, it's very clear who a world champion is. There's, there's really one organization. CrossFit, same thing. There's a winner of the CrossFit Games that's cut the undisputed champion of that sport. And powerlifting, because there's so many different organizations and so many different rules within the organizations, uh, I think it's really hard to say, like, you're the strongest man in the world when there's another organization that has a champion that also claims that guy or girl is the strongest person in the world. Um, and I think, I think from an outside perspective, they would be better to unify a little bit more 
and right. for marketing purposes, kind of just present a world champion in a weight class as opposed to arguing about what equipment he or she used or what rules or the judging they, they adhere to, um, what drug testing they use in that organization. Uh, so I think some unity in the sport would probably help a little bit more because uh, I, I enjoy watching it. I enjoyed competing it with you for a long time. And uh, if it was on TV, I've, I watch your meets all the time online, but if it was on TV or just a little more out there, I'd probably be a little more into it now. Um, that being said, real quick, how did the COVID-19 pandemic affect the sport of powerlifting? Because I know you haven't competed uh, this year yet because of that. I'm assuming nobody else really has either. Uh, how's it impacted everybody, and when do you see it coming back? Uh, correct you on that. I actually did compete this year. It was the uh, right before the uh, um, pandemic just hit. Like It was, it was on its way here uh, in March. Uh, it was the last uh, major powerlifting meet for uh, – for our federation, uh, USAPL, it was the Arnold Sports Festival, believe it or not, in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. They had no spectators allowed, but they had the athletes allowed. So nobody was in the building but the athletes. And, uh, yeah, I just got in that meet, and, you know, right up to the last minute, they were deciding if they are going to have it or not, but they allowed the athletes. So I did a, I did a 606 uh, bench at 195. I was actually – uh, just enjoying myself just to be a little heavier. And, you know, that's something I like to do is just have some fun sometimes. I don't have to make weight, but yeah, the, the COVID is really affected because, uh, you know, New Jersey itself, uh, has not really had any power to meet. So uh, USAPL meets, um, uh, uh, cause the strict rules that Murphy's has like, uh, having meets in hotels, you can only have 25% capacity as of today. Um, so yeah, a lot of, if you are going to have a meet like other states have had it, they, uh, they wear masks. Everybody has to wear a mask, the lifters themselves, which is good. But, um, you know, it's still, it's, you know, it's going to be some time, I think before, uh, you know, be a comp- doing meets the way they were before, you know, so optimistic it's going to happen soon. Hopefully, uh, by, by March, that when the Arnold happens again, if that happens, you know, things could, uh, like maybe that could be my next meet. I mean, I did have a plan for a meet in New Jersey that, uh, this November, but, um, it, like I said, the hotel thing with the amount of people allowed in one room is, would not, it would not be able to happen because, uh, it'd be like 200 lifters and the hotel can only fit like maybe a hundred lifters per day. So they're only allowing 25 per day at this, at this point, but Has anybody keep my done fingers any, crossed. Yeah. man, I hope that happens for you. Has anybody done any meets outside? Um, cause it seems like a sport you could pretty easily move outside with the CrossFit games or has anybody tried to pull that off yet or not? Yeah, I was actually looking at that. Like the gym I go to, Pure Focus Sports Club in Brick, they, they um, you know, they do they do some training outside. Like, and I see in other gyms in like Monmouth, New Jersey, they have, they have moved their equipment outside. So I thought in the summertime that could be a good thing. Maybe even uh, if they want to have a national meet, you know, somewhere down south, uh, maybe Florida or Texas or somewhere. Just uh, it's not a bad idea to hold a meet outside, and you know. It, you know, if the weather permitting, you know, you put a canopy over top of it and, uh, they could, they could pull it off and, uh, you know, space the chairs and yeah, that, that wouldn't be, uh, that'd be illegal, legal to do. Cause, uh, you know, the governors of the States can't say, Oh, you, you can't do that. That's right. That's, we're doing, that's, we're doing stuff outside. It seems like that's another thing that could, could happen outside sooner than later. Uh, hopefully somebody maybe hears this and, and takes the initiative and makes that happen. Uh, next thing I got for you, man. We are both from Thompson, New Jersey, correct? Right. We are both proud to be from Thompson, New Jersey. Uh, oh, yeah. For a, for a suburb of New Jersey, we've had a, a bunch of big-time athletes come out of Thompson. Recently, you got Hall of Fame MMA fighter Frankie Egger. You have great Major League Baseball career. Uh, one of my favorite athletes, Todd Frazier. 
and we have you. Uh, where do you think you fit in that category of the all-time Tom's River greats at this point? You're the only world champion we've ever produced, to my knowledge. Um, like, do, where, like, are you are you famous in Tom's River? Like, if you go to Hemingway's, are you paying a cover? Do people know you? Do, do gyms let you train for free? Like, what's it like being the strongest man in the world in Tom's River? Well, I have to I have to correct you there. Frankie Edgar was a world champion. He held the belt in the uh, UFC. Okay, okay, my fault. Going. I apologize for that. I, 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 I both graduated from East, so that I'm proud to say I went to the same school as Frankie Edgar, and I know the guy personally. And uh, you, you who wins in a fight? Paul. Who wins in a fight? You or him? Oh, he beats me. He's got the techniques and everything. But he's no way you're way that. bigger than him. You're like 50 pounds heavier, right? Yeah. So Are you still think he wins? Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay. I don't right. know about how strong he is. I wonder what he bench presses, but you know. I I I yeah. I would think you got him in, in the weight room. I would think you I would think you could take him in that. that that's your thing, man. You you have the perfect body type for it. You're 50 pounds heavier, and your technique is impeccable. Um, uh, but so what's it like, man? Are you do people know you in Tom's Do you get to train for free in gyms? Do kids ask for autographs? What's it like? Yeah, I forgot to. I was gonna mention you forgot about Paul Jovanovic, the, who we went to high school with, the great Tom's River uh, legend in the Olympics. So proud of that guy. Um, yeah, Tom's River. You know, man, a lot of people really, you know, they don't know you because they don't. Power things not, you know, publicly announced. To, you know, you know, I made the newspaper and after I won my world title, so I got some recognition there. That people heard me on the radio and stuff, but you know. It's not one of those sports that you, you see people, uh, you know, you're not going to know unless you read the newspaper or you go to the local gym. But, you know, nothing taken away from that. You know, um, I love it just as much. I mean, um, I don't, I don't, publicity is nice, but, you know, I'm going to do what I do because I love it. And, uh, yeah, you know, nothing greater than the Raiders. We're, we graduated from East and, uh, you know, a lot of great athletes came out of there. I'm sure like um, that we don't even know about that did great things in sports and other things. So and all oh, the man, time being humble, being humble. I like it. We're going to wrap this up in a minute. I got a couple quick questions for you. Okay. Just answer these as quick as you can. How many times can you bench press 135? Uh, 45 to 50. How many times can you bench press 225? Just did 34 reps a month ago. What's your best squat in a competition? Five fifteen. What's your best deadlift in a competition? Same thing, 515. What is, after being a world champion, what's your next goal in powerlifting? I just want to continue to uh, keep uh, reaching higher goals, you know, maybe in, go up a weight class and just have some fun with that. But for maybe for uh, health reasons, keep staying lighter is uh, maybe a better thing. But like I said, I'm going to enjoy myself while I can. Great, maybe win man. a world title. Do you have anything else you want to share with all of me and my cousin listeners? Shout out your social media. Shout out where we can find you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm on. Um, I have I have Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me on there. You can, you know, send me an instant message. Uh, you know, shout outs to all the cousins, everybody that's been on the show before. You know, appreciate the offer of uh, the, uh, you know, time to to speak my uh, career a little bit here and uh, talk to you, who I've known for so many years. Yeah, man, this is this is really fun. I appreciate your time today. Obviously, you're busy with the training, uh, the job, the kids, the wife, everything, man. I know hard it is to, to cut out time to do some of this, so I definitely appreciate it. And uh, I know personally, having you in my corner my whole career in this comedy podcasting world has always given me a little extra extra energy because I know, number one, you inspire me with how hard you train, how hard you work, and the things you've accomplished. 
But number two, I know if I got the world-class, world-champion bench pressure in my corner, I can say just about anything on the mic, and nobody in their right mind would step to me about it. So I want to thank you uh, for that, man, for my back for 25 years at this point, dude. I definitely appreciate it. As always, my name is Angelo Gingerelli. On all social media, Mr. Fifth Round, MR, the number five, T-H-R-O-U-N-D, coming to you with world bench press champion Mike Kapinski. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast.